Thanks for joining us for the second episode of Chicago Dental Society's podcast, Filling You In. Today, we have a very special treat, a discussion about diversity in dentistry and dental education with Dr. Daryl Pendleton from the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Dentistry, where he wears several hats, including as the Associate Dean for Student and Diversity Affairs. Hopefully, our discussion will only whet your appetite for hearing more from Dr. Pendleton, and you can do so by attending the October 24th Northwest Suburban Branch Meeting, where he's going to be making a presentation on implicit bias. And that presentation will satisfy the mandatory CE on the subject needed for license renewal in 2024. Check out the CDS website for more information. And now, Dr. Pendleton. Welcome, everybody. This is uh, Joe DeRosier. I'm the staff writer for CDS, and this is our first live podcast, and I'm here with Daryl Pendleton. Dr. Pendleton is on staff at the UIC Dental School, and uh, welcome, doctor. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, doctor, uh, give me a little bit of a general background uh, of yourself and tell me how you got involved in dentistry and how you got involved in the UIC. Well, I'm a native Chicagoan, born and raised. I did my pre-dental studies at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and I'm a proud graduate of Southern Illinois University, their School of Dental Medicine. I've spent most of my career in academia, 10 years at Marquette and the last 22 years at UIC. I was exposed to the profession of dentistry through colleagues at the University of Illinois when I was an undergraduate student. I knew I wanted to do health care. I wasn't sure exactly which discipline. I looked at medicine, public health, even considered pharmacy. And I was fortunate that some of my buddies were considering dentistry and just hanging out with them and and talking to them about the, the profession provided me with the exposure I needed to make the right decision. And, and looking back on it, it was a the best decision I could have made at that time. Oh, great. So what is your, your titles or titles? I know you have quite a few uh, duties at the UIC. Tell, tell me what those are. Yes, I, I wear several hats at the university. I'm the Associate Dean for Student and Diversity Affairs at the College of Dentistry, Associate Professor in Pediatric Dentistry, even though I'm not a pediatric dentist that sometimes confuses uh, people. <laughs> I'm And I am the executive director for the university's urban health program. And the urban health program is the university's recruitment and retention program for underrepresented students interested in the health profession. So I have an opportunity not only to work with my colleagues at the College of Dentistry, but I also work with the College of Medicine, pharmacy, Mm -hmm. nursing, public health, applied health science, all of the health science colleges at UIC. Oh, good. And you're going to be speaking to one of our branches, I understand. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. It's coming up October 24th. I will be talking about implicit bias. That seems to be something that's very popular right now with everything that's happening with the recent Supreme Court decision and other policy changes at the state level regarding the requirement to have training for licensure within the state. And so I 
spent a lot of time in the last couple of years talking about implicit bias. Do you see that as a, a real step forward, requiring that training in the CE? Only if it's implemented correctly. Sometimes uh, trainings are not all that they should be. At times uh, the participants in the trainings just go through the motions and they're not implemented correctly. But I, it doesn't hurt. And I think it's similar to any other CE and, and dentists, practicing dentists, and any other healthcare provider is, is used to taking CE courses. So it's just another CE that can benefit if used properly. If you take it seriously, I guess, yes, is what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, we, one of the reasons that you're here is we, we, did, we were talking about the Supreme Court case, and I had mentioned that we're starting up a podcast, and if you could be here, and you so graciously said you would. So you've had a, it's been a couple months now. Has, what's your views and have they changed a little bit on how, what the ruling means or how it's impacted uh, dental schools? Well, my interpretation of, of the ruling, and, and it's my interpretation, I, I'm not speaking on behalf of the UIC College of Dentistry, but my interpretation is that uh, the ruling provided some clarity um, and you can think of it as the Supreme Court drew a line in the sand. And many institutions of higher education will stay committed to their diversity and inclusion missions and, and go as far as they can or close as they can to that line without crossing over it because it is the law and crossing over it would be problematic. But many will go as close as they can. Some may use the, the ruling as an opportunity to re withdraw, to pull back, mm -hmm. and I, I don't agree with that. But each institution will make the decision that's best for their institution. But the ruling simply says that race cannot be used as a factor when determining admissions to any institution of higher education. It, it, it was a narrow ruling. It only spoke to admissions. It did not mean that institutions could not still recruit a diverse student body, so recruitment efforts can still stay the same. And, and also, when it comes to retaining students, you can still factor in race in, in determining certain programmings for retention. Hmm. But it's narrowly focused on admissions. admissions. Yeah, and most institutions of higher education, especially dental schools and, and health professions training programs, are were using a holistic approach Anyway, they were looking at the total applicant, all of the, the components of their admissions application, there was interviews, there were other factors. And so it, it, in very rare situations, and I can't, and I'm, most of the programs at UIC, we use holistic admissions. So it's, mm -hmm. race is never the sole reason a student is, is admitted. Yeah, I think that the general public kind of doesn't understand that. Yeah. I think... Probably a lot of college professionals don't understand <laughs> admissions either, right? Yeah. It's kind of an esoteric. Because individuals are dimensional. That yeah. when you're admitting someone, you're admitting that individual, and they have many other assets, many other challenges that they bring, and so you have to consider the entire individual. Right. And so that's what we've been doing, and that's what we'll continue to do. So do you know what the what the breakdown is now as far as the student population at UIC? At UIC, we are a very diverse college of dentistry. Our whole entire university is diverse. We're in Chicago, one of the most diverse cities in the country. The demographics mm -hmm. of, our, uh, of our student body and when it comes to gender 
females are, are, are increasing in, in their numbers. And some years, the class is 60-40 female. And that's something that's a trend across the country. I know when I was in dental school, it was 80% male and very small number of females. And that, that has changed. And you see that not only in dental education, but you see it in higher education overall. Mm-hmm. When it comes to other aspects of our demographics, such as race, black or African-American students, as well as Hispanic students, continue to be underrepresented in, mm-hmm. the, in the profession, in our college, compared to their numbers in the overall population. Our African-American student body is around 10 12% any given year, and our Hispanic is around 15%. Mm. We're doing a much better job when it comes to social economic status of students, more first-generation students than ever before. But there's always room for improvement. We're doing better than most schools, but there's still a lot more we can do. Right. Why do, why do you think that is? Why do you think the lagging percentage on, on black and Hispanic students? Uh, several factors, many. There's not one single, but some of it is pr- uh, promoting the profession to more black and Hispanic students, especially at an early age. Uh, we're competing against the other health professions discipline, mm-hmm. medicine, pharmacy, nursing. They're all looking to diversify their, their student bodies. One of my chief competitors, and I, they don't like for me to call them <laughs> competitors, is our College of Medicine. Yeah. They're looking for similar types of, of students that we are, uh, you know, students who are interested in health care, would love to stay in Chicago, and so they're recruiting also. And so we have to do a better job of promoting the profession, reaching out to a variety of different communities, and, and, and we do that. Well, even though you're, you're competing with those different facets of medicine, we were talking earlier a couple months ago, and you were saying how that the admissions are, are still very high. Oh, yeah. Our application, our applicant pool is very strong. Our, we're, we're averaging about 1,500 applications a year for 70 spots. Wow. Yeah. And so I, uh, of those, maybe between 400 and 500 are in-state. And those are the numbers I really focus on, are the in-state students. We're a state school, and 68 of our 70 students come from within the state. And so we really are focused on providing educational opportunities for students within the state who want to become dentists, as well as producing a workforce that's going to serve the state. Right. And so we're, we're, we want our students to stay in the area when they graduate. And rural students continue to be a challenge for us. SIU does a great job of recruiting rural students, but it it tends to be a challenge for us. And that's an area that we're putting more energy into. We we know that there are a number of underserved areas in the state when it comes to dentists. And these are dental hipses and Mm -hmm. many other rural areas. And so taking students from those student those areas getting students from those areas and and returning them back to those areas to uh, provide uh, dental services is is one of our goals i also handle our classified section and uh, the opportunities of you know dentists looking to hire and i get quite a few from outside of the general metropolitan area just you know like Rockford area mm-hmm. or DeKalb or, you know, Ottawa or whatever. And they have a hard time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, attracting people. 
Even if we enroll students from those areas, they come to Chicago, they're in their 20s, they uh, get exposed to the city, <laughs> they want to stay here, they may meet someone, and, and it's hard to get them to, to go back. So I hear from my colleagues in areas outside of Chicago who are looking to hire associates and, and to hire staff, and, and it, it's a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what makes uh, dentistry a good fit for diversity? Dentistry, I, I've, it's a great profession. I can't say enough about the, the profession and the opportunities. It's a great individual profession and, and what someone will receive in terms of income and flexibility of, around employment and all of that is one thing. But the opportunity to serve, to give back and, and to your community, I think it's one of the the greatest satisfaction. Many of my colleagues tell me that you know when they restore a smile to a patient and mm-hmm. that patient is leaving, and it's hard to tell who's smiling the most, the, <laughs> the staff in the office or the patient that's leaving. And so just the gratification of, of what you have contributed to that patient's life, I think it means a lot. Yeah. And, and just in sharing that with others. And, I, and, and patients who come in and experience that, they understand the role that the dentist has in the community and, 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 they, and they share that with others. So some of the, great, the best ambassadors for the profession, not only just the dentists themselves, but also the patients that experience the, the, the services that are offered by the dentist. You've seen some, quite a few changes in the way dentists are trained and, and get their education. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that are most surprising to you that you didn't think would ever change, but did? And what, what do you think you thought was going to be different 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that hasn't changed? Well, I, I think the, the use of technology in, in dentistry, just like the rest of society, is just amazing what can be done now mm-hmm. and what will be done down the road in the, in, in the future. So I, I think that that's something that is, has been surprising about what dentists are able to do and with the use of technology. Some of the things I, I thought would change is just the, the number of underserved communities when it comes to oral health. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that we would have made a, a greater impact in terms of dental services for for poor communities. And I, I, I don't know why that is. I, there's just a, it seems like a more of a demand for dental services now than there ever was. Now it could be because of education. Yeah, Patients are seeking more services. Our, our waiting list and at the college is, is longer than it's ever been. We're, the more patients that we serve, the more mm-hmm. our need of services. And, and You're I talking about for the clinic? Just for the clinic, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and, and so it could be that education, patients are seeking services, uh, and, which is good, which they should. And so I, I, I thought that that would, not to say that there wouldn't be a need for as many dentists as there are, but it just seems like we can't keep up with the, the need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it was in the Washington Post just this morning about how important oral health is to systemic health, how it affects cancer rates, heart health, just a multitude of things. And mm-hmm. it, it's really amazing that we're kind of on the cusp of the the explosion of just how important 
dentists knew, right? You mm-hmm. knew, everyone knows, mm-hmm. but it, it's just kind of coming to the fore now. Yeah, and, and, and our, our colleagues in the other health disciplines recognize that. In medicine and nursing, they're promoting in a way that it, it, I, I haven't seen in you know, the last 30 or 40 years, which is great. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, the mouth is part of the body. You see emerging of the disciplines down the road, or I, not in the foreseeable future. Um, uh, I, I feel that uh, the training does not allow for that right now. Yeah. Uh, if there were uh, different types of programs that integrated the training, more cross training, uh, I would say sooner rather than later. But that's yeah. uh, further down the road. There's uh, the training programs are so separate and distinct right now. Yeah, I mean, do you, would you foresee a time when physicians go into the dental school and take a few classes and vice versa? Well, some of that is happening. Oh, yeah. yeah, so there are opportunities for our students to train with other disciplines. So some of that is happening. It's not as integrated as you would like for it to be, but when you're, these, health, these training programs are separate, and, and so there's not the curriculums. We have to really work on the curriculum to allow for inter- interprofessional training, better interprofessional training. Mm-hmm. Artificial intelligence may address that going forward that, and may allow for us to work closer because of the technology. Yeah. You give a lot of talks on implicit bias, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that you're going to be talking about at the branch meeting. Tell me about what do you think our members should know about that? And I was just hearing a discussion about the tip ordinance, you know, how restaurant workers shouldn't, they should do away with the tips. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the person mentioned that there's studies that show the exact same service, a black woman will get lower tip than a white male. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's something that is unfortunate across the across the occupations who it's just not only tip workers but you yeah. you probably have more employees of color that pay differential is probably greater just across the the occupations but when it comes to impl- implicit bias what i try to convey to others is that it, it's more about your perspective on the world and how you view the world versus that other person, and and just getting the the attendees, if I'm doing a or, or participants in any workshop, to better understand who they are and how they're perceiving the world, and their perceptions cannot become behaviors, and mm. and so that's that's once they turn that corner and have a better understanding of how they view the world and how they got to where they are in terms of their life their their journey right i think it it, it, it's when they realize that it's not as difficult often i'll hear from others i I just treat everyone the same right well everyone's not the same (laughs) and so you can't treat everyone the same and 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 that once you get past that mentality then you better you're you're better equipped to to function in a in a diverse workspace dental office etc yeah Mm -hmm. so it's not so much a matter of looking outwards but more looking inwards yes yeah because you'll never be able to when i first started this work it seems so long ago in the 90s we were taught cultural competency mm-hmm. and understanding other cultures well you'll there, there's so many other cultures you can never become competent knowing every different culture and so the the trainings 
uh, changed, uh-huh. and now the the focus is is on the individuals and their perception of the world and understanding how they have uh, biases, which are some are just normal. They're mm-hmm. part of everyday life. They're a part of your upbringing, part of being a, a human being. But it's what you do with those biases that are important. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, with the idea that change is usually pretty slow and then it's fast, mm-hmm. put your, yourself in the future in about 20 years and knowing how the dental education has changed over the last 20 years, what, what do you think a student going to, to a dental school in 20 years, how is it going to be different than it is today? Well, there's, if I had my wish, I think there'd be more emphasis on the, the dental sciences. Hmm. Probably the basic sciences will be moved to the pre-dental area. You know, every year there's more and more that's being added to the dental curriculum. And, and, it, and I, I think the basic sciences are, will be integrated into the dental sciences. And, and so the students will be spending more time just learning about dentistry. Technology will be integrated throughout the curriculum. Right now, we're not able to, in dental education, keep up with the technology that's in the dental practice. And that's why we allow our students to experience those practice settings while they're in dental school. They rotate out through extramural rotations, get a mm-hmm. better feel for different practices, get different communities, etc. And so I, I think that the students will be spending more time in real in dental practices, experiencing what it's like to practice right. in a dental practice sooner in, in, in their dental education. Is that is just a, a function of infrastructure that you can only buy so much equipment yeah. over so many years <laughs> it, where a dental practice could, you know, get something new every year? Yeah, a dental practice can pivot yeah. uh, to the needs of their, their patients, you know, the needs of their community. They can pivot much easier than we can. And it's really going to be difficult. It's difficult for us, especially as a state institution, to, to make changes quickly. And in, in, in dental education, the curriculum, it's like a, a aircraft carrier. It turns, <laughs> it pivots slowly. You can't make those changes. But we know what the students, we want our students to be ready to hit the ground running when they graduate and mm-hmm. go into a practice, if that's where they're choosing to go, and contribute immediately. And so because of that, we want to get them out there into those areas while they're in dental training. Yeah. So tell me what you think organized dentistry, mm-hmm. CDS specifically, but organized dentistry in general, what what could we be doing to help that? And how, how can we help dental students? As I mentioned earlier, the the number one ambassadors for the program, for dentistry, are dentists. When I talk to students and talk to them about why are they interested in dentistry, and they'll, they'll share their experiences with a dentist, mm-hmm. and not only just in the in the office, but they also may have experienced a dentist that came to their school to talk to their school, a family friend who's a dentist. Mm-hmm. And so, I if if there was one request, I would request that the the members do continue promoting the profession because they're, they're the, the best ambassadors for the profession. The organized dentistry does a great job in supporting dental education, and, and that's, I hope that continues, and that partnership benefits everyone. Well, thank you very much for coming today. Well, well thank you for having me. I enjoy sharing my love of the profession and, 
I, I feel based on my interaction with our dental students that the, the future of the profession is in, in good hands. And you, of course, tell them all, come to the midwinter meeting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they love the midwinter meeting. It's a great event. The students look forward to it every year. And we also bring a number of pre-dental students. And so it's a good way to, a great way to expose students to a aspect of the profession that is not necessarily on their radar. The number of dental products manufacturers that, you know, dentists are required to take CE, the how dental science is more than just drilling and filling, and 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 so we we take advantage of the midwinter meeting. So thank you for allowing us to showcase the profession by bringing students and pre dental students to the meeting. Well, we'll we'll see you in a couple months then. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot, Dr. Pendleton, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed that podcast. And later this month, we're going to be stepping away from our regular schedule of every second Tuesday of the month, and we're going to release a special episode, giving podcast listeners a sneak peek at some of the outstanding courses available at the upcoming 2024 Midwinter Meeting next February. Early registration is already underway, and the preliminary program is heading to your mailboxes as we speak. And you don't want to miss our talk with Dr. Cheryl Mora, CDS Director of Scientific Programs. Until then, we'll keep filling you in.